Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Dersnet Podcast. Another hectic week in Glasgow and another pair of matches for Rangers means it's time for another podcast to try and make sense of it all. A bittersweet week has seen our European adventure come to a close with an underwhelming performance out in Vienna before we reclaimed our rightful place at the peak of Scottish football with a win against Hamilton. We're here to pick the bones of both those matches as well as take a wee look at the shape of the squad after a little bit of transfer activity throughout the week. My name's Ross Bennett, I'm going to be your Dersnet podcast host this week. I'm very, very happy to be joined by two excellent guests. First up, we have the returning John McCallum. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm not too bad, thanks, Ross. I'm not too bad. An excellent guest. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever described me that way before. Thank you. Well, let's see. You're still on probation, but no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you'll be grand. Um, also making a very, very welcome return this evening is a Jersnet institution. It's the one and only Pete. Pete, how's things out on the continent? Yeah, great. Weather's not too bad. A bit of snow during the weekend. Cold, cold night on Thursday with the result. Um, got a wee bit better yesterday and or Saturday, sorry, Sunday, and uh, yeah, rain to go for Wednesday. Absolutely, rain to go. Listen, it's been such a busy week. There's loads to get through. We've got such a jam-packed show this week. I think it's best that we dive right into a dissection of yesterday's action against Hamilton. John, why don't you kick us off this week? What did you make of the overall performance yesterday? It was an ugly performance, wasn't it? Um, it was one of these games you get in mid-December. Uh, I think the best thing you can say is we won. We, we, we got the points. Hamilton, even at one down for what most of the match Hamilton were, they just put everyone behind the ball. It was like Hamilton of old. Um, it was it was not pleasant football to watch, but we got the result. Uh, I didn't feel we were ever in any danger. I didn't think there was any chance that Hamilton were going to steal anything. Um, a second goal would have, would have killed the match dead. But as has so often been the case, we just lacked that little bit of guile to to open up uh, a jam defence. So it wasn't pretty, but we got the result, so I, I can't complain. The thing is, us struggling to open up a, a packed defence and an organised defence is becoming a little bit of a recurring theme, which is, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to it in, in a moment or two, um, becoming a wee bit worrying. Pete, how about yourself? What was your immediate reaction to the game yesterday and, and did anyone particularly stand out for you? Well, we came out of the starting blocks at 100 mile an hour and yeah, it could have been 3-0 within five minutes. And then Jimmy just sort of get into that old pattern that we get into of, of getting the ball down the wing, crossing it. And Hamilton, I just don't understand at all. I mean, they even when they were 1-0 down, they were wasting time. I think they were wasting time from about the fourth minute or something. So I've never seen that before in a football game. I even thought at the end up they might even throw everybody forward to try and get a result, but they didn't even do that. So I think it was a... a Performance of total domination and, uh, yeah, difficult to break down a defence. And as I say, I think we've, we've no punch through the middle. All, all we're, we're trying to do is run down the corridors of the wings and put it into the middle where there's nobody that can head the ball. I, it, was, it was a strange one yesterday. I mean, like you say, Pete, the first 15 minutes were so fast and, and frantic and we could have been aye, we could have been 3-0 up within five minutes the game could have been done and Gerard obviously alluded to that in his, in his post-match press conference as well saying that actually the game could have been over within five minutes um, but then we kind of had that, that, that classic Rangers thing happened of 
We've now found the second goal. It gets a little bit tense. The second half starts dragging on and we're only 1-0 up. But, I mean, John's right. They never, Hamilton never, ever threatened us. I mean, one kind of fairly weak shot um, when their striker got the better of Tavernier, but McGregor was always there uh, to, to cover it. They were never really looking likely to score, unlike us who looked likely to score at kind of every opportunity in the first half hour or so. It just never really happened other than that one goal. John, did anyone really catch your eye yesterday? Who were the standout performers for Rangers? I thought I thought Barisic, Barisic had a decent game. Uh, I like to see a left-footed left-back. I think we've missed that this season. Uh, I, I thought he played okay. Um, he, he needs he needs matches, you can see that. But I thought he played okay. I thought McCrory had a decent game. Uh, I, I was pleased he kept his place. Uh, and I thought he had a good game. Um, but I think the two best players for me were Jack and Kandias. Uh I thought Jack and probably one of his best matches this season. Uh, I thought he was he was he was pretty good. Um he got fouled a lot, which is always a good sign. Always means he's doing something right. Uh, and I think Candace I think we've just come to accept that work rate from Candace. Um he does the he does the hard stuff well. You know, he he he, he takes that wing and, and he stops players coming down it and, and he's good at getting the ball in and and he pops up with goals. So I, I thought for me, they were the four, but I didn't really feel there was any failures. I, I thought Lafferty tried hard on a different game. He, he could have scored a couple. Uh, he had that head on the second half, which you have to say was a fantastic save. Um, he, he did everything right with it. Um, but I didn't feel our final ball was very good. Uh, so uh, often, more often than not, he was, in, he was in the box, but the ball wasn't coming anywhere near him. Um, but yeah, for me... Barisic, McCrory, Jack, Kandias. I think the the unfortunate thing about Kandias is that he's he's not a, he's not got much tricks to beat players going forward. So most of his good work is in defence. That's a, that's an unfortunate thing I think about him. But I suppose if if he did have a bag of tricks as well, going with his his defensive duties, then uh, I don't suppose he would be at Rangers. He would be at one of the top Italian clubs or Spanish clubs or something like that. I, I think you're right. I, I don't think he is a you know, you're right. He's not the kind of player who'll who'll beat another player. But I think what he does is he gets the best out of of Tav. I think the fact that he he allows Tav to bomb forward. Uh, I think you see some intricate passing, some quick, sharp passing between him, Arfield, Tavernier, sometimes Jack, uh, that can open up defenses as well. Uh, yeah, I still think he delivers consistently. Um, yeah, we've had more skillful players play in the right wing. Um, but I think actually his crossing is quite good See the thing I like about Candy is I'm a huge fan of his and I have been since the day he joined I'm delighted that he kind of stuck around after Pedro left is that obviously there's the fact that he, he plays for the shirt and he plays for the badge and he seems to really enjoy being here and you look at the guy's career history and he's kind of been passed around a lot out on loan loads of times never really settled anywhere and hopefully he feels like now he's at a point in his career and in, in his personal life where he wants to be a wee bit more settled and get a few seasons under his belt at one club um, and I think that's great for us we can profit from that um, but I like the fact that there are games when he plays well like yesterday and I thought I thought he was man of the match yesterday I thought he was excellent I really enjoyed watching him um, but there are also games where he doesn't play as well but in those games where he doesn't play well and, and there are a fair few of them where nothing really comes off for him he never hides and he always he always tries and obviously, you know, we all know that Ibrox can be quite an intimidating atmosphere and if things aren't going your way, then the crowds are going to let you know about it. I like the fact that he never hides and that he's always showing for the ball. And then 
I, I think, I, Pete, I know what you're saying about his defensive attributes and his defensive work rate is excellent and much better than a, a lot of wingers we've seen at the club over, over many years. Um, but I, like, I think he's quite a clever player going forward because he probably knows that he's not as skillful as a lot of right wingers um, and he might not be able to beat the man. But he always he always shows for the ball and gives another option. I think he's quite clever in his positioning in that he kind of opens the game out a wee bit and he's always he's always seeing things, seeing the positioning, seeing the shapes um, and, and maybe beating defenders that way by offering a different option rather than taking the defender on one-on-one. And I really like that. I think it gives us another dimension. And I think this season especially, we've been poorer when he's out of the side. Um, I think he's been a lot more creative, but also become a, a, a little bit more lethal in front of goal. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already scored more this season than he did last season. And I think he's I think he's improved over the summer, um, which is great. I think he's a real asset to have. And like I say, I think we're we're a poorer side when he's no in it. Um, John, I want to come back to something that you mentioned, which was that he didn't think that anyone was particularly poor yesterday. Um, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out a wee bit. You mentioned Kyle Lafferty. I, I don't think he's up to the standard required. Um, and if I'm being brutally honest, I wasn't sure he was up to the standard required eight years ago. Um, and now I'm definitely not sure. And other than the game against Villarreal, um, I, I don't know if we've seen anything in this second spell at the club uh, that shows why we bothered to bring him back, really. I think he was possibly a bit of a panic signing. Um and I don't think he's delivering what we hoped he would deliver. Yesterday was the perfect game for him. I mean, you see that chance in the first minute or the second minute where it's, you know, he's, he's a yard out and he's just got to put his head on the ball and he somehow puts it on the post. Um, is uh, The game was tailor-made for him to, to get a goal or two and it just, it never happened. And I think, unfortunately, this is a kind of knock-on effect of missing Alfredo Morelos. He, What's your opinion here? Do you think that Lafferty kind of let us down a little bit? And if so, how big a miss was Morelos yesterday? Well, yeah, Morelos, for me, is always a miss. Uh, I certainly had frustration because I had nowhere to let my man love out. But um, Lafferty, well, as, as you say, I've, I've, my thoughts are virtually the same as yours. Um, I, I wasn't very liking them eight years ago. And now... Uh, yeah, how, how you can miss that header, I don't really know. I must admit, the second header near the end was a great save by the keeper. So I don't know, really know if you can blame him for that one. But he had a few. He had a few. I suppose you always say if you've if, if you've get into the position to score goals like that, then yeah, then it makes you a good player. But you, once you get there, you've got to put them away sometimes. I, I'm going to say I'm going to be a little bit bit of defence for Lafferty here. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I wasn't entirely sure that he was the right player for us. I was never gaga about him. First time round, he's a very frustrating player. As you can see, he has ability. I mean, he's a big, strong guy. He's actually fairly skillful. He's got a bit of speed and he's good in the air. And, and he should be an absolute nightmare for defenders. But he goes missing, I agree. Um, what I'd say yesterday was I thought our final ball yesterday was really poor. And the number of times we would work the ball down the wing, work it out wide, and just knock in an aimless cross. Uh, and I, I, I don't think you can blame Lafferty for that. Uh, I think that the Hamilton, the way Hamilton set up, even after going one down, um, they had five in defence and another line right in front of that. And, and playing one up front, I don't really know what more we can expect from Lafferty. I, like you say, he had two or three chances 
One he was unlucky with, one he should have buried. Um, I, I don't know. Um, would Morelos have done better? Yes, I think he probably would have because I think he's a better player. Um, I think he's a, he's a better player in better form. But I actually thought Lafferty did okay. Um, but I'd expect Morelos to, to come back into the team. I, I totally agree. And I think I don't think even Kyle Lafferty would argue with the fact that everyone expects Alfredo Morelos to come back into the side as soon as possible. Um, but, but yesterday, Kyle Lafferty's let's say, bad luck in front of goal was kind of symptomatic of a, a wider problem that we've seen over the past four or five weeks in that we have dominated possession, moved the ball about nice and neatly in midfield, um, started knocking it around the 18-yard box. We have no output. You know, we're scoring, failing to score as many goals as we should. We should have scored three or four goals yesterday in the first half alone. Um, think back to Dundee last week as well, where, you know, playing against 10 men for... 70% of that match and we only got one goal um, it, again thinking about the Aberdeen game a few days before that we're building up play quite nicely but we're failing to create or take any chances or as many as we should what's going wrong up top for us why are we not scoring as many goals as we should be well I, I actually think we are taking our chances if you see the goals before but I, I think it's more that with nobody now to create chances Morelos if he gets a chance to score this year, he's putting it away. Um, but we just don't seem to have a creator. And as, as long as you've got Ryan Jack and McCrory on in the same team without MD creating them, I mean, they're, they're both the same kind of players. And I, I, still, I think they're both good players, but they're not that man that's going to play that cutting pass into the middle or, or uh, yeah, create, give that creativity. So I, I think that's, I think we're going more there than, I mean, I think, even think probably Lafferty as well would, if, if he, we had somebody behind him creating chances for him, then he would he would get on the scoreboard eventually. But um, yeah, I think that's where, we, where we're. And one thing I, I want to say as well, that now with the Barisic at the back and Gresda on, on the left wing and maybe Middleton to a, to a smaller extent, I think we're more balanced between left and right now. Um, because I thought we were really unbalanced with Tav and uh, Candias on the, on the right side. And teams were finding it easy to double up in Tav and Candias. Whereas now, it's not so easy because we're, we're pretty more balanced. So I think there might be more chances coming from that, that way as well. It's not my place to disagree with you, Pete, but I think I'm going to give it a go anyway. <laughs> I think that we've got now, especially, I think we've got a whole raft of creative players. I think, you know, we've we've got Andreas on the right wing who we've spoken about, who kind of offers different options. Tavernier, we could talk at length about Tavernier's skills and prowess going forward or his attributes putting the ball in the box. But he can, on his day, create a lot of chances. We see that in his goals and assist stats from, from years gone by. Left side, obviously, now we've got Eros Gresda. Um, we've got Borna Baratic, who's dead ball and, and final delivery again at times can be exemplary can be superb I think Ryan Kent is a very creative player um, and is very dangerous I even think Scott Arfield is a creative player and again when he's out of the side we look poorer I think we've got players that should be able to drive us forward and give us a bit of impetus but for some reason it's not clicking John what's your take on it? Yeah I, do, I, I think I think I agree with Pete I do think that for whatever reason just now we, we are just lacking guile uh, I agree with you that we do have 
some creative players, but I don't think we have enough and I don't think they're good enough. Gresda, for me, has yet to, 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 to show what it is he's got. Um, he's been injured. He's only played a couple of games. It's far too early to judge him, but I've not yet seen anything that's made me think, yep, yeah, okay, he is the answer. Um, I like Barisic, but you know he's a fullback. Uh, I don't think we should be relying on our fullbacks for, for, for creativity. Kent's out. Murphy's out. Dorns is out. Um, you know, they are three creative players. They are three players that, that we would be looking to, un uh, to unlock defences, to, to open up those defences. And I also think that teams have figured out how we play now. Um, we're playing most of the clubs now for the second time. Um, they've had a chance to study how Rangers play um, and they've figured out how we play and, and they are lining up to stop us playing because they know we will give them a chance. As things stand just now, teams do still get chances against this Rangers team. Um, we're not wonderful at set pieces, defending set pieces, um, and, and we will give other teams a chance. Um, and I think that's part of the issue. And I think that's why we need more creativity because we, we do need to figure out how we break down those packed defences because more and more that's how teams are going to play us. It's terrible to watch, but, but that's what we need to do. And, and, you know, Kent is good if he can run at you. But if you put, you know, two banks of defenders in front of him, then he's got to dribble through and that, that's not so easy. Um, Murphy's not going to be back this season. Dorns isn't going to be back this season. Um, Candace, I think, can play a lovely pass, can hit a nice cross, but he isn't going to beat a man. He's not going to hit the byline. That's going to be left for Tav. Um, and I agree with you about Arfield. I, I like Arfield. I think I would have Arfield in the side, um, but I think Arfield's strength is arriving in the box and our problem just now is our, our final ball into the box is poor. We're not picking out players too often. We're just we're just knocking it and hoping someone will get on the end of it, and that's disappointing. I think you made a really good point there when you said that teams have figured out how to play us. You're absolutely spot on. Um, Dundee played a blinder against us, even down to ten men. They didn't even really have to change that much. They just kept everything tight and compact. And I hate saying it, but Aberdeen did the same thing. Aberdeen against us when they when they got the win the other week, um, they had a game plan. They frustrated us. They took their one chance. They stuck to their plan and they, they got away with three points. Um, it seems to have figured it out and it's almost reminiscent of, a, I'm sure you guys remember when Mark Orberton was in his first season, we were obviously playing in the championship, playing a different level of football with a different calibre of player. But we, in that first round of fixtures, I'm sure we were unbeaten um, and we were excellent. We were absolutely blowing teams away as we should have been, of course, um, with this kind of tic-a-tac-a, one-touch, quick movement, playing it on the deck football. Um, but but teams figured it out. Teams figured out how to stop us. Even in the championship, they were, you know, double up on your on the full-backs and pack your own box. And we struggled and we dropped a huge number of points because we couldn't break down tight defences. I'm not saying Stevie G is just a scout Mark Warburton, but I think he has to kind of learn the same lessons. And he's a young manager. He's got lessons to learn. Everyone knows that. And that's fine. And I think we're in a much better place now than we have been, obviously, for several years. Um, it's just one of these things that seems to be cropping up time and time again is that we have good players, skillful players, players on high wages that should be producing more than they are, um, but they're being found out by less skilled, less talented, more industrial players, um, and we can't break it down. If we were to shift the focus from the front of the pitch towards the back of the pitch, we've seen a lot of rotation um, particularly at, at centre-half. Connor Goldson's kind of been a mainstay in, in, 
in the centre back pairing, but the position to the side of him can kind of it could be one of three, could it be Katic, Worrell or Macaulay. John, do you think that Gerard has settled now playing Goldson alongside Macaulay, or do you think we're in for a wee bit more rotation? Has he found his best centre back pairing? I think he has. I don't know what happened to Katic. I really liked the look of Katic at the start of the season. Uh, I thought him uh, and Goldson together were were really imperious at times. Um, but but he fell away, and I don't know. I hear you hear things that maybe there's there's you know stuff going on with his family. He's had maybe some difficulties in his family, and and, and maybe his head's not right. Maybe he's just a young player, and he, and he just needs to to settle. Um, that allowed for Warrell to come in, who, frankly, I, I, I thought actually did okay most of the time. Um, but, you know, he had maybe the odd bad game and now we've, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing the big Ulsterman come in now, uh, who I think we all just assumed was there for cover, um, who we all assumed was maybe going to get some games in the cup. Um, but he's come in and I actually think he's been playing quite well. Um, he, he's experienced and he, he's, he's strong. He's not the quickest. But uh, Golden's not bad, and and I think with that keeper behind them, I, I think that probably is our best defence now. Um, I think Gerard probably realises that, and if Barisic can stay fit, I would expect that that's what certainly see us through to uh, the winter break. So yeah, I think it probably is. Well, I mean, if that is the case, and that's this is the back four that will see us through to the winter break, um, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with uh, playing. Macaulay ahead of Katic. I think I agree with you, John. I think Katic looks good and, and it's all gone a wee bit quiet there out of the blue. But if we can just settle on that back four, it's so important. Um, I think Macaulay and Worrell have both been guilty of inconsistency in their performances. And, and I don't know if it's switching off or just making stupid mistakes, but there have both been times when they kind of leave your heart in your throat a wee bit uh, with some of the decisions that they're making. So I think we need to settle it down at the back now and, and pick a pairing and, and and get them a run of games together, get the players understanding each other a wee bit more and just settle it all down. But you're right, with, with McGregor behind them, you're starting out with a base level of confidence because the guy just loses class. If we look ahead now, Pete, we um, I think it's fair to say that facing Hibs away at Easter Road on Wednesday is going to be uh, a different challenge to what Hamilton offered at Ibrox. Um, do you expect to see changes for a more, a more difficult test? I don't know that we've got that many... Changes to make. I don't know. I don't think Kent will be ready for it. Uh, I think he'll keep the same defence. Uh, I don't think we've got that many midfield Jarry's away now. So I don't think we've got that much options in midfield to change that. So I, I think we'll probably be going with this, the same team that, that, that's been playing. Uh, I think, well, when I seen Celtic were getting beat 1 0, I thought, well, I'm going to turn that on and watch, watch it. And Hibs just never gave them a second in the ball. And I, they'll probably try that with us as well. I just hope that because they kept the fool for 90 minutes that they're, they're knackered on Wednesday night. But that was that. But that was their tactic against Celtic. Just don't give them a, a second in the ball. And that is obviously a, one of our problems. That if we don't get time in the ball, then we break down quite easily and just start punting high balls up. And with nobody to to really get into high balls. So, um, I, I think it's the way we play. If, if, if we go out and we try and sit back or if we go out and get Hibs his face, I think that's the way to go and, and don't let them start bossing us about. That's, I think that's the way we've got to go. Don't be frightened of them. 
I agree with you entirely, Pete. I think that Hibs, Hibs are a really interesting proposition um, because we've had games against Hibs in the past two years where they've looked like world beaters and we've had games against them where they have looked like third-tier opposition. They're so wildly inconsistent. Um, but as their form this season has shown, you know, they've won their last two, but they failed to win in seven before that. John, what's your take on Hibs and the challenge that faces us at Easter Road? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. They seem to have found some forum, albeit I was rather pleased with the result at the weekend. Um, Hibs at Easter Road is always a difficult game for Rangers. I, I don't care what anyone says. Hibs raise their game when we come to town. Um, Lennon, well, you know, we all know the history there, so there's no doubt that he'll have them as psyched as they can be. Uh, I still think that we can go there and get a victory. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen much of Hibs this season. I haven't seen them play Rangers, uh, but I've seen the results. They, they clearly have the potential to beat teams, but but at the same time, they've had some pretty poor form recently. Um, so they've raised their game for Celtic coming to down. Um, Celtic had a, a European match midweek, uh, so you know they will have been a little bit tired. Um, Hibs managed to, to, from what Pete's saying and from what I've heard elsewhere, that you know Hibs basically ran over the top of them. They, they the, the energy levels were much higher. Uh, I wouldn't expect that to be the case on Wednesday. I'd expect us to be able to match them there. Um, and yeah, is 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 Morelos fit for Wednesday? Is he is he not fit? But is he back from suspension on Wednesday? Yeah, he yeah he's done. He's done two games. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would expect him to be back in the team. Um, for me, the only other change would be if Lafferty. Uh, does he keep Lafferty and drop Gresda or does he keep Gresda? For me, that's probably his only decision to make because I, I think I think Morelos comes back in. Um, as Pete says, I'm not sure what else he can do in midfield. I, I would probably stick with that midfield um, and and take it from there. Uh, I'd be I'd be fairly happy with that. I think I think Hibs will play differently. I don't think Hibs will play. When I say it differently, I mean differently from from Hamilton. I don't see Hibs coming out and, and sitting deep. Hibs will come and have a go. Uh, Hibs will look to, to take the game to us and to beat us. Uh, and as such, I think they will allow us to, some chances. They'll create space. And if we can match their energy, match the fight, um, then I think we're a better team than Hibs and I expect us to beat them. I think, though, I, Hibs, <laughs> I think with Hibs, John, though, their, their weak point is at the back. So you've got, you've got, we've got to get at their back four. Because if you've got Ambrose, now you know he's a, a bomb scare. Um, Whitaker, uh, yeah, I suppose you can still argue whether he's he's good or not. Very, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even that great thinking that he was that great at Ibrox, but uh, he's, he's years older now. They've got a young nineteen-year-old boy uh, playing at centre half as well. Um, he was certainly great against Celtic, but if you take it two weeks before, they were, they were what the Hibs were absolutely terrible. They were an absolute disaster on the park. So I think we've got to try and get at them and, and not, if we let them boss us about, then we could be in trouble, but we've really got to try and get at them. Yeah, this, this should be a game we should win. Hibs, I think Hibs will be brimming with confidence and they will come and have a go. They will come out and play and that should give us space, that should give us opportunities. I'm, I'm a little nervous about this game. Uh, I, I know for all the, the kind of talk about how Hibs are in irrelevance and we don't really care about them. I really, I dislike Hibs. I really do, you know, but since before Scottish Cup final days and things like that, they're just a horrible little team to me. And I, I really, 
especially now we're having Neil Lennon as their manager as well, it just exacerbates things. And a team that I love to see us beat, but I think, you know, we play them twice in the face of 10 days or something stupid. So it's a, I can't see us picking up six points out of those two games, if I'm honest. I, I struggle to see us doing that, but it's a hugely different challenge. Um, I think Gerard needs to prove that he can get his squad fired up for a game because you can bet anything that Lennon will have his squad you know, willing to walk over coals to, to get a result against us. So we need to see that Gerard can inspire his players and, and go out and get a performance that we as the fans deserve. Because the last three or four games, we haven't had the performances that we've deserved. Um, and if there's a time to do it, think about how healthy that league table will be looking if we can pick up six points against Hibs and then head into the, the old firm at the end of the year. It's hugely important this time of the season. Right, guys, I think it's time that we cast our minds back a week now to Thursday. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, very sadly, our European adventure has come to the end uh, for this season. Obviously, it goes without saying that we have performed much better than anyone ever realistically thought that we would. You think we've been in Europe for five months this season, all the way back to the, the home game against Skupi, um, two separate trips to Russia, Croatia, Slovenia, uh, Spain. We've had some incredible memories from this season when I think it's fair to say we, we exceeded expectations. Uh, I think <laughs> we probably all could have predicted for the past eight or ten weeks that this was all going to come down to one night in Vienna. Um, and it did that. All we needed to do was get the win. And unfortunately, it went the other way. John, how did you assess our performance out in Vienna? And, and was it a deserved loss? Yes. Unfortunately, I think it was a deserved loss. I think on the night, Vienna were the better side. Um, we tried, but we, we just fell short. And I don't think there was any shame in what happened. We were all disappointed. Uh, I was disappointed. You, you, you know, Vienna, Rapid Vienna, for some of my age, Rapid Vienna is still a great name. You know, that's still a side that, that you remember from, from um, pre-Sky days, from the days when, when European football still held some, some mystery. Uh, and Rapid Vienna were, were a name from then. They're not the team they were. They're a bit like Scottish football, Austrian football is, is uh, well, it has a big neighbour uh, who, who dominates. Uh, um, and I think, you know, we actually have quite a lot in common with Austrian football from that point of view. But, uh, in the end, I thought we deserved to come third. I think we were probably overall the third best side in that group. Um, and I don't really have too many complaints. It was frustrating. The Moscow result for me was the one that annoyed. Um, I wouldn't criticise that side for anything else they did in Europe this season other than that second half in Moscow. Um, you know, we, should, we shouldn't have gone away from home, scored three goals and lost um, we shouldn't have gone in at halftime in the lead and lost. Um, and that's where, uh, that for me is, is where the, any criticism should be put. Um, I didn't feel that we did an awful lot wrong in Vienna. Um, they sat back, they defended well, um, and then they started creating some chances and they took one. Uh, and, and that was, was always a chance that was going to happen. You saw at Ibrooks, um, for, it's probably still my favourite match this season. There happened to be any game at Ibrox. Um, you saw Ibrox that there were no dummies. You know they were a decent enough side. 
Um, if they were playing in Scotland, they would certainly be in the top three, without a doubt. Um, and all this talk of the fact that they're, you know, they're not competing terribly well in the Austrian league this season, it doesn't matter. Um, they, they're still a half-decent side. And they're still a side that are on a par with us. Um, good luck to them. I hope they do well. I think that's a really fair summation. Um, it was I was gutted, absolutely gutted on Thursday night. But Stephen Gerrard in his, in his pre-match press conference, he said that he saw that as a 50-50 game. And I think that's exactly how it turned out. It was one of those where it was a bit it was a bit stuffy. Neither side played as well as they could have done. Um, and it was always, you know, you could tell from quite early on that this was going to come down to one goal and who was going to get the goal um, to win it. And, uh, OK, on, on the day it went to Rapid and, and fair enough, no complaints. The thing that I thought, though, before the game, when I saw the lineup, was I was I was very surprised at the personnel that Gerard chose and the formation that he, he elected to play. And you know, listeners to the podcast will kind of know that I've, I've never been too critical of Gerard. I think he's a an excellent manager with a lot of potential and I'm a big fan of his. But I think he got this one wrong, personally. Um, I was very, very surprised to see the way that he chose to set up with, with only one wide player in Glenn Middleton. Um, and again, not really, other than Middleton, not a lot of pace in that side. We knew that Vienna were never going to settle for a draw and were likely to come and try and score a goal um, and, and put the tie to bed. So there was always likely to be a wee bit of space created. And if we had pacier players on the park, that space could be exploited. But instead we went, if I'm not mistaken, we went with Brian Jack, Lasana Koulibaly and Ross McCrory, um, three not particularly creative midfield players who I wouldn't say any of them are particularly blessed with rapid pace. So the, to me, the side was unbalanced and not set up appropriately for the challenge ahead. How did you view his tactics and his, his formation? Do you think maybe Gerard got it wrong and do you think this had some kind of impact on us going out? Well, as I say, the midfield, is a, you've, you've not really got that many options. And Ajaria, he, he stayed in Glasgow, I, I think, so or was back in Liverpool already. That game, I mean, Gerard said we were great up to 80 minutes, but I, I, I didn't really get that, I, I think. I don't know whether you guys are old enough, but I remember a, a, a fight with Muhammad Ali against George Foreman. And Muhammad Ali realised that he couldn't really dance about for eight or ten or whatever rounds it was. So he just could shut up and let Foreman punch him for five rounds. Till Foreman was absolutely knackered. They couldn't lift his arms anymore. And then Muhammad Ali went on to, 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 to win the fight. And that's the way I, I get this. It's sort of a way I thought about that game. Um, rapid, they just folded in, took everything that we could throw at them for the for the first half, and then just after half time, I think it was they started throwing on their forward players, and I think actually that rapid in, in the second half they they they, they would trust us and they were just um, putting out their, their their better players in the in the second half, and we didn't have any answer to it unfortunately, and I, th I still think Gerard tends to change things too late. That's, 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 if I've got a criticism of them, then, then it's changing things too late. Sometimes it's heading towards 80 minutes and you're, you're just sort of a bouncing off the wall the, 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 without making any chances. And you think, no, well, maybe he could change it. But 
Gerard doesn't seem to, to think like that. He, he seems to keep thinking, well, I'll leave it to 70, 80 minutes before I make a change. That's my one criticism of him. But I, think, I really think it's a mischance. I think I really think the Rangers deserve to be the, the, the second team through. In fact, maybe even the first team because Villarreal weren't even that great either, were they? No, certainly not. Um, and they certainly against us didn't show themselves to be world beaters or, or you know, a, a dominating European force. It's funny though. After the game, I saw a lot of comments from from Rangers fans saying we should have qualified. Um, and, and Pete, you're kind of alluding to it a wee bit yourself there. Actually, after immediately after the final whistle on Twitter, I saw that, that Colin, you know, the regular host of, of this podcast, he immediately tweeted, we should have qualified. Obviously, Pete, we've, we've heard that John thinks that coming third was kind of the right result and we were probably the third best team. Do you, can, do you agree with Colin? Do you think we should have qualified? Or is that kind of a, a harsh statement to make considering the stature of the club now and, and where we've been? No, I think we should have qualified. I think... Um I think we should have beat uh, the Russians in, in Glasgow. I, I just felt we were a wee bit timid there as well. Um, no, as, as John said, in, in Russia, and you you were in Russia, I believe, so um, you you will know that better than now, the, us, how it was in real life. Um, no, I certainly don't know it better than you after I'd had all that Russian vodka. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but... Um, yeah, I, I really think, if, if you're 3-2 in front at half-time and then... You should just shut up shop and 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 stay stay a wee bit dangerous, but uh, yeah, just we just seem to die. Uh, well, in, in in fairness, it was three two at halftime, but it should have been four two, of course. And then that's a totally different prospect if if the linesman hadn't flagged that goal off. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, that's that certainly it was a game changer. But and even Villarreal, I mean, we, 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 we should have could have beat them as well. I just seem to think, I don't know whether I'm, whether I'm just a wee bit, uh, I think in Gerrard's lineup. I mean, I, I get a wee bit worried that um, when we went to play Celtic at Parkhead, we just never seemed to go there with any hope that we could win it. And then against Villarreal, oh, sorry, against Rapid last week, I get the same feeling that we're going there and we're, we're just thinking, oh, well, maybe we'll get a chance. And we're not going out and trying to force him to win. And that's what I would, that's what I missed, that we went out and trying to force the win. I think, I think you guys have been harsh. I really do. I think, I think we need to, to take some perspective on where we were just five months ago. And, and I think the fact that we are sitting here and we're disappointed that we are not in Europe after Christmas says so much about where the club has, has come from, well, since May. Uh, and I think we do need to just take take a moment to just just grasp that. Uh, you know, Rangers should be judged on Europe. We're a big enough side with enough resources that we should be judged on how well we do in Europe. Um, we should have done better in Europe in seasons gone by when we had better players and better resources uh, than we did. Um, I think this squad and those players did pretty well this season and they certainly far exceeded anything I expected of them and I think it's harsh to, 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 to be too critical of them um, you know that's a that's a team that A was put together at fairly short notice over the summer B it's not a team with a lot of international experience you know we don't have a lot of players in there with, with experience of playing in Europe 
or playing internationally, which which you do need at that that level. It is a different type of football. I think you touched upon something uh, there about Moscow, and that, as I said earlier, that's what I would say the team could be criticised. Um, that second half, we lacked we liked noose, we liked uh, understanding how to how to kill a game. I don't want to sound too cynical, you know. That's the game where you're wasting. That's the half where you're wasting time. That's the half where anytime someone comes near you, the player goes down and the game stops and it becomes bitty and the crowd get on their back. And, you know, that's what you've seen so many teams do to Rangers over the years. We needed to do that in Moscow. We didn't. And, and, and it's disappointing, but I think that's just life. I think that's just where we are just now with the players we've got. Um, and I, I'm just grateful that they made. They, they they really made me excited again this season in Europe. Um, from the first couple of matches when you were still trying to get used to who the players were. And I mean, I remember one of the early games in Europe but watching Koulibaly. Not being 100% sure who Koulibaly was. You know, I knew he brought in this guy from France, but I didn't really know a lot about him. And watching this player and thinking, what a player we found. Now, I was wrong because he's kind of gone off the ball since. But he looked immense in those early games. Um, and this was a team fighting for each other. This was a team backs against the walls, um, playing games that we should really still have been in pre-season. And, and yeah, I, I'm, I, I understand what you guys are saying. I understand. I was disappointed on Thursday as well. I, I did think we could do it. But I think for me, I'm just pleased with what we did. I, I'm just pleased at where we got um, and, and the manner in which we got there. They, they, they never disappointed us. Um, they never let us down. It would have been nice if we could have got something in Vienna. We should have got something in Moscow. But overall, I think you have to say fair play, well done. That that exceeded my expectations this season. Um, and you 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 made me very happy on some days when I wasn't expecting to be. I'll certainly agree with you, John. And I mean, I'm not dis- obviously I'm disappointed we didn't go through. But I'm not. Uh, the team done great. Let's put it that to get that far. But the thing is. Where we were at that moment, not where we were five years ago, where we were at that moment, at this moment of time, was that Villarreal were 17th in the Spanish First Division, our Premier League. Um, Rapid Vienna were are, are down, down a good bit. I think they're about fifth or sixth. And I don't think Sparta are up. But all three teams changed their manager in the time that we were playing them. So they were down and out. So I, I, I really think this was a chance missed. And I'm definitely not criticising the team. They've done great. I certainly never thought they would get that far. And brilliant. I'll support them. Uh, I, I still love Gerard. I still think he's... Uh, I've, still, I've, I've got a bit of criticism of him. But you should have criticism of people because they've, they've, they're making decisions that it wasn't necessary. And that's, that's what I think. That, I, I think 17... 17- I think 17th in the Liga wins the Scottish League every time. I think 17th, I think the team that finishes bottom of the Liga would beat the team, would, would win the Scottish League. Um, I, I'm not sure. The fact that Villarreal aren't a Champions League side this season, well, that's why they're in Europa League. That's why we're all in the Europa League, because none of us are, are good enough for, for the Champions League. Um, I, I know what you're saying. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a team, a group full of unbeatable teams. I just still think there's a need for some perspective on, on where we were. It was disappointing in the end, but um, I thought we went out fighting. I thought we, we, we huffed and puffed a bit. 
Um, when it looked like beaten rapid, I didn't think we looked like beaten rapid. Um, we fell short, but we had pride restored. And, and personally, I'm quite pleased with that. But uh, yeah, I hear what you say. For me, it comes down to not so much we should have qualified because we should, we should, on paper, we shouldn't have qualified. We were the fourth seed. Um, and John's, John's bang on the money that we exceeded expectations and they, they restored pride. Um, and we, as fans, been wounded by some horrific experiences in, in the past, you know, 18 months in particular. We've had some really tough results in the old firm. We've had the humiliation out in Luxembourg. Um, they restored some pride. So it's not that, for me, it's not that they should have qualified. It's the disappointment that we could, that we got ourselves after the first few games, we were looking so good that we could have done it and that we weren't able to get it over the line. I think that's probably an apt point to draw the line under our, our European um, experience for this season, not least because I'm getting all emotional about my time out in Moscow. Um, it's probably only fair that we take a really quick look before we end this week at the state of the squad. We've had some unexpected, let's say, squad moves, um, maybe one expected, maybe one less so this week, um, with the, the termination of two of our loans. Um, one of these players has probably had more of an impact than the other. So we'll start with Ovi Jaria, who has returned back to Liverpool after being, to be fair to him, being quite open and quite honest about the fact that he personally has struggled to settle in Glasgow. Um, I don't know that we ever saw the best of Ovi Jaria. I think he is a very skillful player who, you know, he's, he's certainly, he's got talent and he's got ability. Um, it's, it's funny, I remember seeing him interviewed by Rangers TV when he first signed and I was thinking this kid is like silent He's, there's almost no substance to his personality and I kind of worried at that point is, you know has he got a kind of toughness and fortitude that he'll need in, in Glasgow um, and, and maybe he's not Pete what did you make of Adaria's time up in Glasgow and, and are you sad to see him go? Um, no well his career has a certainly a lot of twists and turns at Rangers, didn't it? So, um, I think I certainly don't want a player that's not happy. So, uh, in, in that respect, I'm happy to see him go. I thought he was. He started well. He started actually quite good. His his first amount of games, and then he just seemed to get into a into a rut. And I think frustration, not happy in Glasgow, could have been a an answer to it. Um, but I think, I mean, we're buying in, a lot of these uh, are buying in, we're lending a lot of these players. And if you take a, a sort of a list of what, we, what we've what we had in the last is Odua, Salom, Ball, Dalcio, Sadiq, Churro, Ejaria, Kent. And really the only one that's sort of making any leeway is Kent. But Kent's been out in a lot of loans before, so he's sort of a... You know, he he sort of knows the ropes, so I'm I'm sort of a wondering the step up. I think from development leagues to the the, the top team is is actually a huge step. I mean, you can actually see with Middleton. I think Mid when I seen Middleton development league and when I seen him the first few games at Rangers in the first team, uh, it, it was absolutely dynamite. And then all of a sudden I've thought the last few games that he's actually frightened now to go, to, to go past players. So I think that there's sort of a, a wee confidence thing maybe that just sort of hits him once he come in. I mean, I've certainly no 
doubt that Middleton will make it. I don't know, I don't see Ajaria making it at Liverpool in the first team because I don't think um, the English Premier League is any softer than the than the Scottish League. So I doubt if he'll make it there. So I, I don't really know where Ajaria is going to go. Maybe, I don't even think he'll he's make it in the Championship. He's certainly got talent, that's for sure. But whether it's, you need, you also need to be hard. And if you're not hard enough, then you're not going to make it in any of the top leagues. I think you're right, Pete. It's, um, He's certainly got talent, but has he got the resilience to to succeed? And and maybe Glasgow is is not the best place to to breed that confidence. And and especially in the SPL, where if you're a skillful or tricksy player, you're you've got a target on your back. John, how about yourself? What did you make of Ajari's time in Glasgow and and his decision to to terminate that loan early? Like Pete, I quite liked Ajaria. Uh, I think he took some criticism, which was unfair uh, at times, but I quite liked him as a player. Um, I think when you look at him, he, he's clearly a very skillful player. He's six foot tall. He's slim. You know, he's a bit light. Uh, I think he'll need to beef up a bit. But yeah, I, I thought he looked like a, a, a quite a shrewd loan signing, uh, and I quite liked him. But it became clear a few few weeks ago that that something was wrong in in the background. And, and I think we need to be careful about speculating. I, I, I've never been a twenty one year old Londoner of Nigerian descent suddenly finding myself living in Glasgow. So I don't know what that's like. I don't know how, how different culturally that is. I can't believe it's that different than it is if you're a 21-year-old Colombian. Um, and so you look and you say, well, you know, there's one player who, you know, uh, Alfredo must find aspects of the culture in Glasgow quite alien. If nothing else, the language. Um, he, he must find that quite difficult. Yet he seems to have been able to, to get on with it and settle in and do well. Um, for whatever reason, Ojaria hasn't. Um, I, I imagine, you know, I've been in Liverpool a couple of times. You know, Glasgow's not a dissimilar city to Liverpool. It's similar kind of size. Uh, it's not dissimilar from that point of view. So I'm a little surprised uh, that um, the reasons I'm hearing, uh, certainly the reasons that have been stated publicly, that he's just not settled. Um, but I guess none of us know what are going on in the background. None of us know about... Um, none of us know about it uh, in terms of, of his his background, in terms of what's happening uh, with his family or, or, or whatever. Um, so I'm kind of sorry to see him go, but as Pete said, and I think Pete was bang on, if he wants to leave, then then it's right to let him go. Uh, I think that was the right thing to do. Um, and I'm, I'm not sorry about his colleague going back to Roma. Um, I think that's best all round. <laughs> and I hope he didn't cost us any money. <laughs> Aye, I mean, it's, it's a natural... The natural progression, as we've talked about uh, Ovia Jaria, we have to mention Umar Sadiq. And it, it's funny, isn't it, that we bring in lads on loan from uh, Nottingham Forest and from Angers out in, out in France, and it's the lad from Roma that can't get a game. And when he comes on, looks like he's never smelt a football in his life before. Like, it's, it's seeing this lad at his press conference when he signs, I was thinking what the hell is this? Like, who is this boy? And then seeing photos of him training, hearing the the manager that he had out in Holland at, at Breda talking about him. And it, it was just everything leading up to this, like, almost this mystery, this mythical figure of Umar Sadiq, um, who looks less like a footballer than anyone I've ever seen pull on a Rangers strip. And then he, oh, that, that day against Aberdeen, when... Like folk were so desperate for him to do well that if he kind of if he held the ball and it didn't ding 
coming off his foot like a bouncy ball, we'd be saying, ah, he holds the belt, he holds the ball up well, doesn't he? It's it's a really strange one that this lad, you know, keeps getting good loan moves as well. There's a, a talk that he's off to Perugia in, in the second league in, in Italy. Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, I think that's what Sadiq does to you. He makes you completely lose your train of thought. <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough that, you know, I hope we didn't waste any money on him. You're right, John. How about yourself? What was your, uh, what's your lasting memory going to be of Umar Sadiq? Well, when, when he came, I, I, I'd looked up, uh, because I, I can speak Dutch, I'd, I'd read a lot of the NAC, I think it was, a, was it NEC or an NAC uh, forums, and some of them had quite good words about him, so I thought, oh, well, maybe he's a good player. And then, uh, no, when, when he came and we, and we obviously saw him, it reminded me of Graham Souness signed George Weir's brother somewhere, and he put him on the park for about 17 minutes, I think. And then realised that he couldn't kick a ball, so it's it's some something similar like that. But I, ho- I hope the guy finds a, a level somewhere where he's happy and can play football anyway. Ah, uh, you, you sort of have a feeling that he's going to go down in as, as some kind of cult figure in in Rangers history. Um, it, 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 you can almost imagine the conversations in the pub in a few years' time going, "Geez, oh, remember Umar Sadiq?" Like along the same lines of Chris, remember Moses Ashikoti? Remember when we signed him? I sort of think that Umar Sadiq, unfortunately, is going to be consigned to the annals of Rangers history in that regard. But who knows? Maybe you know, I'm no, I'm no a manager or a scout or anything. Maybe he'll end up playing at Juventus, and we'll think, look what we threw away. But right now, I just don't see it. However, maybe this has you know opened up a space for one of our own youngsters to come through. And we've had some news again this week on on that front, in that Dapo Mabudi has signed a new long-term contract. It seems like, you know, the talks were ongoing for a wee while. There's a huge buzz about this lad over at the academy. Um, Pete, I know that you in the past have had your ear to the ground with the youngsters. Um, what can you tell us about Apple Mabudi? Well, I know he came through the, the system the same time as Gilmer, who went to, down to, to Chelsea. I don't really know. I know he's fast and I know he scores quite a lot because I read, I read um, what's he called, the, the, the guy that does... Uh, the youth uh, forum uh, read quite a lot of his uh, stuff, and he he's always talking about him quite good. So I think he's the that that's the best place to find out about the youth players. Um, Elfadeldo, Elfadeldo, that's uh, that's a, that's a guy, and uh, no, he he does a, he's got a really good forum about about all the youth games. So I read that quite a lot, and. Uh, Mabud gets quite a quite a good lot. But what I, what I also thought, um, Jera brought Dallas onto the the bench for the for the weekend. So hopefully, not the referee, by the way, but <laughs> as Celtic supporters seem to think. But um, uh, so th- th- maybe he'll be getting his chance over the next uh, few weeks, months. I I hope so. Um, you know, especially with. Sadiq and Najaria going away. We, you know, we do have these these spaces for young and creative players to step in and see what they can do. John, we'll give you the last word on this. Do you know much about Dapo Mabud Mabudi? I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Think that he could maybe have a an impact. How far away is he from the first team? I, I'm afraid I think he's still quite a bit away from the first team. Um, they clearly rate him um, by the length of contract they've given him. Um, he's a name that you know. I think he's a name. Anyone who follows Rangers. Um, we'll have seen his name on the website, we'll have seen his name in tweets and, uh, and updates. 
Um, he's been around the club now for a few years. He's been playing for Scotland uh, at youth level. He's been scoring for Scotland at youth level and, and the Scottish youth teams just now aren't too bad. Um, they're, they're, they're better than they've been in for, for a few years. So, you know, he's clearly got ability. I've become a little cynical, particularly about forward players coming through at Rangers. Uh, I mean, I think the last, I mean, fella little, I think was the last forward player we brought through. Um, before that, I think it was John Spencer. Uh, you know, we are not good at it. We're really good at, at goalkeepers. Um, we can, you know, we can bring through midfielders, but we are just so poor at bringing through forward players. And we have been now for, for frankly, decades. So it would be nice, but I think he's still a wee bit away. He's 17 years old. I don't think he's getting anyone near our first team anytime soon. Uh, I think he is very much one for the future. Um, unfortunately, I think in January, we, we need to find at least another couple of strikers um, who, are, who are a bit older than 17 and a bit more experienced, I'm afraid. I think that's a fair summation of the, of the situation, but it's, it's probably quite good business by Rangers at this point because... Obviously, we lost Gilmore just over a year ago to Chelsea and um, it was a very kind of crucial stage of his development and I don't blame Billy Gilmore for jumping at that chance. Um, but obviously, you know, if players walk away from the club at, at such a young age, we are limited in, in terms of how much financially we'll, we'll benefit from that. So if for us to tie down youngsters with potential uh, to, to get them onto a longer-term contract, if possible... It's a really shrewd move financially because it protects the club a wee bit so that the best young talents and prospects can't just be poached away um, and hopefully the club will, will be able to benefit. And, and it's it's only right and only fair that any funds that do get generated from that are reinvested back into the academy because it's such an important project to, um, to try and, and, and reinstate a successful breeding culture at Rangers to, to bring through and blood our own young players. Guys, I'm very, very sorry to say that that's us out of time for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you have done, then please do subscribe and, and make sure that you don't miss a thing. If you're feeling particularly generous, please do rate us and leave a wee comment. It all helps to, to get the message out. You can find myself, John and Pete, over on Jersnet at www.jersnet.co.uk. Head on over there, join in the conversation. As well as the forum, we've got plenty of articles, match previews, all sorts of content. So definitely take a look if you've not done so before. We'll be back next week with Colin in the hot seat, so we hope you'll join us for that same time, same place. All that's left for me to say is a big thank you to both John and Pete for their excellent insight this evening, and a special thanks to Graham, our audio engineer, for your continued hard work. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.